0: What matters is your intention, and your intention has to come out very, very clearly. And when people understand your intention, they start to trust you.
1: So welcome back everybody. I'm here today with Jack Sim from the WTO, that's the World Toilet Organization. Uh, just had a phenomenal conversation about the importance of communication and why now is the time to talk about poop. So, please join us. Um, Jack, thank you very much for your time. This has been phenomenal. Thank you very much for your time. Um, Give me a brief introduction about yourself and the WTO. My name is Jack Sim. Uh, I'm the
0: founder of the World Toilet Organization. And I created uh, this World Toilet Organization because the subject of toilets and sanitation was so taboo and neglected that they call it water agenda
1: which doesn't make sense what's the big problem that Asia is facing with sanitation so um,
0: the main immediate thing we want to talk about immediately is about the two and a half billion people who don't have toilets okay so why can't we talk about a preventive medicine that is so effective that you don't really have to need so much hospital and and nurses and doctors because that's very expensive just prevent them from having the disease first by washing their hands by having flush toilet by having not the flies spread it and by not polluting the river right. so this is the beginning
1: is it getting better are people talking about it are there parts of Asia where they're talking about it, and parts of Asia where they won't talk about it?
0: I think that uh, in the last 18 years since the founding of the World Talent Organization, the media has loved this subject so much. So this romance with the love uh, with the uh, global media has been the. Biggest change, because the media legitimize the subject. Mm. So every time we talk about it, they write about it. And part of it is also about this unique blend of humor and, and the uh, serious facts.
1: When you started, what were the conversations like? Were they really difficult back then? Or was it just, how did you find the right people to get started?
0: In the beginning, the guys get very excited because they always wanted to talk about toilets and their wives are always stopping them. And then the, the wife was like, oh, can we talk about something else? Yeah. And then after a while, they start to realize the serious facts and say, hey, this is so important. And then everybody talks about it.
1: But when you were maybe setting up the meetings or setting up the conversation, were there certain things that you realize like, this is a good time, they're saying things that make me feel like it's okay to start talking and, and, at that level? So actually,
0: you should be able to talk about it in relation with uh, any subject, because toilet is so intimate to the person. You can talk about health. That's a very good starting point. Yeah. You can talk about how you teach the children to kind of have uh, be toilet trained. You can even talk about your dogs, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you can begin the conversation that way, and slowly you can talk about the um, the subject matter itself. But you can also talk about other people, like the poor, and you can talk about the enormous crisis that is going on in the pollution. And I think depending on the person, if he's a very environmental friendly person, you talk about the reverse, and then it all comes back.
1: Okay, now you get the conversation going, but the reality is, conversation is different than toilets on the ground. Mm. How do you maintain a long-term focus when you're having short-term conversations all the time,
0: I think if you are creating a movement, you are not calculating what you will do. You are calculating what everybody would do. So um, the politicians are really, really gaining a lot of popularity, votes and power by helping toilets to be built because people needs it. And why would they do that is because the people don't realize they need it because Upstream, there was a driving of demand through the media talking about the importance of toilets. And once you plant that seed into their head, they say, hmm, we didn't talk about toilets, this is so important. I think we need to improve that. That is dirty, that is not satisfactory. They start to become unhappy. And then the unhappiness drives the demand, the demand drives the supply, the Vendors, the businessman, the politician, the movie star, the academia, the media, everybody take away something good for themselves, in the end, toilets get built on the ground.
1: Early on, you were very successful, you retired at 40, what are the skills that you took into the WTO that you think have been the most important for you?
0: It's the communication skills. So when you're doing business, you're actually selling products, but if you are in a uh, non-profit organization is selling ideas and you're selling incentive so it's very very similar and what uh, we do in business is of course the visual communication as well so the uh, graphics, the, the, the visuals, the things that we we promote the product with is very similar to uh, the non-profit sector mm-hmm. and the fact that I don't earn any money don't draw any salary from doing this work also give a lot of credibility that people know okay this guy is not uh, getting something out of it and the altruism uh, breeds a lot of followings
1: why do you believe that being altruistic brings you more credibility versus more profit because people use profit as a yardstick for business but why is it altruism for non-profits? Why can't it be impact for profit?
0: You can do that. There's Mm. social enterprise and those models are pretty good. What matters is your intention and your intention has to come out very, very clearly. And when people understand your intention, they start to trust you. You see the difference between business and social work is that in business, you want to kill all your competitor. Mm. You want to be the number one. And in social, work, you want to kill the problem. Therefore you want as many competitors as possible to finish up this job. But if you are still thinking everybody stop, you don't save the world, I save the world then something is crazy about your head, right? So if you are in the social sector you should let go, uh, no pun intended of whatever you try to hold yourself and don't think about yourself so much but think about the mission and you invite everybody says that's a beautiful destination let's go there together and people say hmm I like it and then they join you and they also bring others and others join them so a movement has no real leaders it is a belief system very near like a religion anyway
1: so how easy or difficult do you find it to collaborate with a lot of groups because I run an NGO myself people are still competitive people still want their brand they still want their award how how have you found that process and how do you break through those people Mm. who want to hold on for themselves Um, trying to be famous is actually very self-defeating
0: because you come out here to do this work not because you want to be famous because you want to solve a problem so um, the paparazzi The um, awards or the recognition and status it is for the mission and if you always remember that everything that is visible is not about you but it's about the mission then you are clean and you're lightweight and people trust you but once you start to think that all this thing is about you then you're sick in the head and it starts to shorten all the mission and you paint yourself to a corner and nobody's gonna believe you anymore because you're just an egomaniac so I think to overcome that needs a lot of self-reflection you have to remind yourself hey don't enjoy this too much what's that for It's for mission good correct answer and then you keep on going like that because I've seen a lot of colleagues who actually doing good and after a while this fame and Status, uh, all this going to the head, and it's so sad.
1: So, actually, I've been talking about this for a while because social entrepreneurialism as a theme became very hot eight, ten years ago. I mean, really, five to eight in North Asia. A lot of people shifted from the mission to winning awards. And you said it's very sad, people that you've seen. When you see someone go from mission to a little bit more ego, to egomaniac, as you say. How does it impact the way that they look at their organization? Why is it sad? What's happening that you see when that happens?
0: You know a lot of my colleagues actually enter depression mm. and the reason is that they could not detach themselves from the mission and the mission becomes themselves. And once they are unable to feed that hunger uh, and cravings for um, been recognized uh, then then it's like a movie star who don't have a movie mm-hmm. r- for the last three years and enter into right. depression and it's no good so the, the, the important thing is to go back to those Zen practice like detachment humility um, you know the Chinese has a World war that means yeah. there's no me uh, those kind of things of course is impossible for me to reach a very very high level of that, but be always conscious that uh, you are insignificant, but just a tool to do this work. And if you start to do that, people like to use you as a tool. It's much better.
1: What if you were a twenty-eight-year-old who is entering the space for the first time? You're developing your first idea for solving the same challenge. They're going to be looking for a little bit of awareness because they need a megaphone to tell people how their idea is better what advice would you give to them as they're starting out now that you believe would help them for the long term
0: so basically there's just two dominant feelings in a human being one is love and the other one is fear and if you love you start to give people love you start to look at problems and just authentically address it what will happen is that the reward comes immediately to you in the sense that you are very joyful because your consciousness is opening up so your heart is starting to open up and you feel very happy about yourself Nobody is giving you this award, just you are making yourself happy now if you are grabbing, grabbing attention, grabbing money, grabbing uh, uh, material stuff, uh, power then your um, consciousness starts to narrow and you become very miserable because you always have to guard something. But if you don't guard anything, then you will feel so happy. And I think young people are starting to understand this because they have no money, so they go through the spiritual journey. And a lot of them, uh, if they don't give up and become good, they, they can, of course, uh, get paid and get a salary out of it. But it is the meaning that rewards you so much more. And nobody gives you that meaning. Yourself, you are the one
1: who give yourself. Have you ever questioned yourself on this journey and gotten a little bit lost and lost the meaning? Mm,
0: Sometimes when I talk to bureaucrats and, and they kind of keep saying no, I, like why am I doing this? I'm trying to do good and it's supposed to be his job and then he says no all the time. But after a while I got
1: used to it. How do you get over, like you're having a, a shitty, you know, month, and no, 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 you start questioning yourself, what do you do to reset and to, and to get back on track? Uh,
0: I remind myself that I don't have much days to leave, so I'm 61, I budget myself to die at 80, exactly on my birthday, of course I'm not gonna kill myself, but I just have to budget just like you budget <laughs> your, your, your dollars every year in the yeah. company. And I have got, um, right now, about 6,800 odd days, which is just less than a thousand weeks. Mm. And so, this time is very precious. And if I don't use this time, and I go home to relax and watch television, then I'm I'm not uh, contributing when when it's still possible. So, I think death is my biggest motivator, because every day is one day less. Okay. So I want to use every day in the most meaningful way,
1: uh, and toilets is one of them. And does that mean that you spend every waking moment working on these challenges, or do you have um, eight hours a day for toilets, two hours for meditation and health, three hours for family? Like, Do you, do you try and have a holistic life, or are you really just mission focused for your whole, whole wake day?
0: Yeah, it's a mission driven every day, seven days a week, uh, wake up till night time and then uh, in between I kind of steal a couple of hours to have a secret affair with my wife (laughs) and uh, to spend some time driving the kids and talking to them in the car and then going to the next appointment. Mm. Um, It's not a sacrifice. I think you show the children how to be a good human being and you can't teach them, you can only show them.
1: Tell me, what is your vision for the next 25 years of Sanitation Asia? What do you hope will be accomplished?
0: Oh, in the next 20, 25 years, every single human being on Earth will have a toilet that is clean, safe, and the excreta is treated and it doesn't pollute the rivers and the waterways. Um, People would not be sick because of hygiene issues. Okay. Um, I think people will talk about toilet in a very normal way just like we're talking about food and drinks Great, thank you very much for your thank time you. Jack that Thank was a pleasure. you, thank All you right.